Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. It's the Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I am Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson, fresh into the offseason. Logan, a couple of days without having to watch some game film, huh? Yeah, I'm uh, started watching some college guys, obviously, so haven't gotten too far away from it. But um, yeah, you know, it's nice not to have that rigorous like Monday we're watching a ton of film Tuesday we're prepping the next opponent kind of get out of that that schedule a little bit it's been nice so yeah for sure uh so here's what we got though because the news certainly is not stopping uh obviously Monday uh as expected uh, and we we already reacted to this uh, Ron Rivera was let go uh Josh Harris hires uh Bob Myers and Rick Spielman to be consultants they've been interviewing people the last couple of days and today, our focus is actually not going to be on the people they're interviewing right now. Um, and in fact, we might have, uh, by the time some of you guys listen to this podcast, there might be news. It might be by the end of the week, might be early next week on the front office side. But something that we've kind of talked about doing is looking at all the head coaching openings and saying, all right, which one is actually the best? Because once they get this new front office hire in, and of course, if they make a hire, we'll get someone on the show to talk about that person, someone who's either worked with them or covered them, et cetera. But uh, on the uh, on the head coaching side, like, is this truly one of the best jobs? Is it the best job? Is it the fourth right. best job? And I was like, what if there was a way to to do this more definitively? What if there was a way to do this uh, quantitatively instead of just qualitatively? Uh, you know, kind of everyone's like, oh, it's the best. It's subjective. How do we how do we do an objective rankings? And so what we've done is we have, and if you uh, watch, if you're a, a podcast listener who doesn't normally consume us on YouTube, uh, that's perfectly fine. But there will be a visual aid on YouTube uh, where you can see our charted scoring system here. We have the eight openings and we have six categories. We have ownership. We have the quarterback situation. We have the roster. We have cap space. We have draft capital. And then we have what we're calling atmosphere. So that could be fan support it could be um you know if, if when we talk about new england in that category it's like hey you get to be the guy that follows bill belichick and so that will count uh, probably in that case uh, negatively uh, in that category as part of the composite score uh, as we put organizational atmosphere into focus so we're going to assign one through five to all of these uh one being bad five being good and then we will add it all up at the end and whoever has the most points objectively speaking without argument nobody could possibly disagree logan is the best job on the market <laughs> yeah i mean this would be a lot of fun so i think we should get to it 
Let's do it. Um, the one thing I will say preamble wise is I do think that well, all jokes aside, if this is objective and no one could possibly argue with it, very clearly different candidates are going to uh, value different things. For instance, a guy like Mike Vrabel, his emotional pull to New England is going to be very, and his willingness to follow a guy like Belichick is going to be different than Ben Johnson's or whoever right. else. So it is worth pointing out that like this is as objective as you can be based off looking at all of these factors, but um, how people weigh these factors, what is important to them as a coaching candidate, all that's going to change depending on who the candidate is. No, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, obviously there's like the interpersonal relationships that you just described, which are huge. And it's also like, you know, kind of what the other thing I think people forget about. It's like how the interview goes. Like maybe you don't get along with, uh, you know, right. RX and the, you know, the chemistry's not there. And even though the job outwardly seems like it's going to be awesome, like, it just doesn't click for you. So I think that's another thing to consider when looking at these, uh, you know, these rankings and these positions is it is, um, this is from our perspective outside looking in, but again, there's the interpersonal relationships, there's the history of the organizations, all those different things. So. Yeah. We're going to, we might give an owner a four who, uh, you sit down and interview with as a candidate and you're like, that dude is a definitive two. So, yeah, right. um, we're just going yeah. based off of results <clears throat> and kind of reputation with do, doing the best we can from our seats. So with that said, uh, the, of course, if you need a reminder, the eight openings are Washington, Seattle, Tennessee, New England, Los Angeles, Atlanta, and Las Vegas. And Logan, let's start with what I think is actually the most important category, and that yeah. is ownership. And there are, again, different candidates. If you're in a win-now position, you're an older coach, maybe you've been there, you're a Jim Harbaugh, and you know your own shelf life is only five years anyway, it's always going to be more short-term thinking, and maybe quarterback is more important to you. But I think for any young, and especially these top candidates, these young coaches who are looking at, is this a place where I can become the next Belichick, the next Tomlin, someone who's there, the next Pete Carroll, who's there for 12, 15, 20 years, Belichick, 24 years in New England, your relationship with the owner is so critical and they shape everything else in the organization, which is why I think people have Washington as one of the top jobs available. Yeah, I would go, I, I, I mean, I know we haven't really seen Josh Harris do much yet in the NFL. But I would give Washington ownership a five. If you look at what they've done in their other sports, you look at how they've been received, you look at the things that they have done in a limited time, I don't know how much you could ask, much more you could ask for. Yeah, I think for me, it's the the stuff that happened in the limited time, right? I think there was a lot of opportunity. I think they handled the the sale of the team very well. They came in the, the way they were very outward facing, the way they interact with the fans. You know, when you go and you see members of the ownership group at the stadium shaking hands with employees up in the press box like that's fantastic i also think the way they handled ron is going to be something that coaches look at and are like all right this is a completely different environment than it was before and what i mean by that is you know i think there's a lot of ownership uh, groups and uh, people that would have been like hey you know ron you're not winning football games we're gonna this is we're gonna part ways earlier than what we said we're gonna fire you before the end of the season they let ron play out the end of the season. They trusted him to land the plane, like you've said many times. I like that. I also like that they gave him time in the building. You know, on his last day, it wasn't like, hey, we've already packed your stuff up. Please leave as quickly as possible. I thought that was fantastic too. And I do think that that shows a, an understanding of the personal element of this sport and this profession, which is very unique um, and can be very uh, harsh and austere at times. But I think they understand that you can. there's still room for that humanity. And I think if I'm a, if I'm a coach... If I'm a, um, you know, um, head of football operations candidate coming into this position, I say that's something that I like. That that's something if I'm going to move my family, I'm going to set up shop. I also think it's important that they're new, 
they're going to give you time to grow. They're going to give you an opportunity to kind of grow with them, which to me is very, very valuable. And I think that's why, you know, when you put a five in there, I think that's 100% on point. I think when you talk to people around the league, they also echo similar sentiments about this job. And you, you talk about what they did with the other with the other teams, talk about what they did in the interim with the, with the commander so far. Just even Josh Harris, Mr. Josh Harris's press conference, I think is fantastic. It just shows a clear understanding of what it takes to be in that ownership role. So obviously um, it's been a very short, relatively short period for him and this group, but I think he's checked a lot of boxes that as, as a coaching candidate or a um, head of pro football operations, I would be pretty excited about if, if, I'm, yeah. if I'm coming into this position. And I think you can believe him. Like a lot of owners say the stuff that Josh Harris said the other day about long-term thinking and this and that right. and strategic, and it's about getting the right people and uh, the timeline will take care of itself. And they're actually full of it. We've seen it happen in his other teams. And now, like, if you really want to get nerdy and go Philadelphia 76ers talk, you know, Brett Brown sat through the process, the, the tanking and stuff. And then they finally kind of turn it around. They get to the playoffs and they lose a little bit sooner than they want to. And, and they decide to go in a different direction. But he had at least been there for like multiple, multiple, multiple years. Um, and then they decided that he was the person to get them from point A to point B and they needed someone else to get from point B to point C. Um, and I think Brett Brown would disagree with that, uh, but you know, the, he at least had been there for five years or whatever it had been, you know, doc rivers. I don't think, you know, obviously things were going downhill for them last year They they lost earlier than they wanted, but you know, he had had a couple of years and, you know, had, had a chance to make his imprint and, and he didn't do the things that he needed to do to keep that job. I think it was pretty clear that it was time to move on. And the NBA and the NFL are a little bit different too, in terms of the, the power that stars have, um, you know, what Joel Embiid thinks is the most important thing in the Sixers organization. There's no such thing like that in the NFL. And I think when you look at the NHL, what he's done with the Devils, I, I don't know nearly as much about that, but I'm pretty sure they haven't had a ton of turnover. Um, certainly not an unreasonable amount, and they've become one of the better teams in that league. So I think when he says something and he hires people, he will. you can trust him to give them the opportunity uh, to that, that he promises you. And by the way, the evidence that we have in the NFL so far of that is Rivera. Hey, man, you have the year. You have my word. You have the year. And he gave yeah. him the year, even though it would have right. been very easily and understandable to be like, hey, you've lost four, five, six straight. We're going to make a move here and give EB a chance to close this thing out. No, I totally agree. And I also think it's important. I just I just look at how he's handled the, um, what is it, the 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 selection committee? I don't, I don't know the exact terminology yeah. he's been using for that. The search but, committee, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, the search committee. And I think like the the composition of that group, the, the names he's brought in, understanding your blind spots. I just... Again, you know, it's very early in the process. There's a lot still to do, but I think when I I respect people who handle things in a, in a way that um, I think is appropriate, you know, and I you know like getting people who understand vision and perspective and starting an organization and starting franchises and bringing Spielman in for that football perspective, I think is excellent. So um, I think they've just everything they've done so far. I think is indicates this is going to be a good ownership group. You know, you listen to John Kimes podcast. We mentioned him a lot on this show. Um, you know, he's talking about how executives around the executives around the league, personnel around the league view. This as a very appetizing job. And to me, that makes a hundred percent sense. Like everything, every box that needs to have been checked so far has been checked. And um, there's no reason to think otherwise about the position. So 
Totally agree. All right. Uh, we'll obviously spend a little bit more time on each of these on Washington, and then we will say what needs to be said and score the appropriate points for the other ones. So Seattle is a bit of an interesting one uh, when you look at the ownership situation. Um, the Allen family has owned this for a while. Paul Allen brought it in the 1990s. Um, but Paul Allen, a former Microsoft executive, a very, very rich man in Seattle, uh, passed away in 2018 and created, hey, before that, it was it was uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So um, he made sure that all everything was in order the way he wanted, and that included in his will, creating a trust to take care of his sports teams, which not only includes the Seattle Seahawks, but the Portland Tra- Trailblazers in the NBA. Uh, the trust was instructed to sell the teams, uh, but not with any specific timeline. So the Allen, like Paul Allen was a phenomenal owner. Um, he was in charge of hiring Pete Carroll and, and he's, they've had a lot of success during his run um, going back to the Mike Holmgren days, but his sister Jody is in charge now and it's not real clear when she's going to sell. There was some initial thinking that there was a deadline, financial related. I won't bore you with the details that it was going to be this May. Obviously, as we saw with the Washington situation, sales take time. Seems incredibly unlikely, especially considering she has not actually put the team up for sale yet. So long story short, Logan, um, they've been pretty fine as an ownership group since 2018. There haven't been any major shakeups or nothing unreasonable. They've had incredible organizational stability at head coach and, and GM or lead front office person and John Schneider. Um, but eventually there's a sale coming. We're not really sure when, and that makes it, I think kind of hard to uh, give too high of a score here for Seattle and ownership. Yeah, no, I think the, you know, prior to, um, What's his name? Uh, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. Paul but Allen. His, his, yeah. his passing in 2018. I think it was a pretty outstanding group. I think it's, it does all the things you want ownership to do. They're they're patient. They kind of stay out of the the major decision making, or or if they are staying, or if they are involved, they defer to football operations. Um, it seemed like a great place to work. A group that invested uh, in the in the team, in the facilities, and everybody. The that facilities I know that, are incredible. That I know that's played there has nothing but positive things to say about about that old ownership group. Obviously, anytime you add change, anytime you add flux to to that position, like you're unsure of how it's going to go, and then you add the potential sale on top of that, I think it becomes a little bit less appealing. If you're a guy, you know, like just take Ben Johnson for example, he's kind of the you know the number one coaching candidate around the league right now. But if you take him, it's like I want something. I want some stability. I want some opportunity to kind of to establish my vision and establish my perspective with the team. And that goes the same thing if you're, you know, the director or the the head of uh, pro football operations. Same same exact thing. So I do think that that adds a little bit of flux. And again, if if uh, if, if Mr. Allen had still been alive, I think you feel differently about this job. But unfortunately, he's not. And uh, so I would say this is because of the uncertainty, because of kind of what exactly is going to be happening over the next three or four years, I would say this is probably a two, in my opinion. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think so. I I would be somewhat inclined to give it a three because it seems like Jeff Bezos is going to own the team. Um, he's but again, like if you're if you're an, if you're a coach, 
and you don't sure. have a, you don't have and and I was not hired by Jeff Bezos. I'm going to be a little bit uncertain about whether or not Jeff Bezos sure. and the standards going to be the same. So again, that uncertainty I think is so so important for coaches and people. Uh, you know, GMs. I directors. agree. It, it's it's really important. So if like, that's going to be thrown just, around, yeah. And I would say this, like in general, because of the price of teams now, you're not going to get a Dan Snyder type of owner that's cash poor. Right. right. Like you're going to get an incredibly wealthy person buying the team who's going to have to spend a lot of money and thus be willing to put a ton of resources in. Jeff Bezos is that to a literal extreme. He is the rich or one of the richest people at this point. He might be back to being the richest people on the uh, person on the planet because Elon Musk, uh, his his stock has fallen uh, right. with, with Twitter and, and some of his other companies that have gone uh, sideways in terms of the their back end financials. Point is like. We also don't know, though, just because you're super rich, if that means you're actually a good owner. Like, will you stay out of it? We don't know. Um, so I, I tend to agree that when you know there's a sale coming, but you're not really sure when, um, that's less than ideal. Uh, all right, Tennessee. Their owner is a woman named Amy Adams Strunk. Uh, she is the daughter of Bud Adams, who was, I believe, one of like the founders of the Houston Oilers back in the day. Eventually moved them to Tennessee, etc. She's been in charge since the mid 2010s uh, and I think largely has been fine. Um, I don't think there's anything spectacular here. I don't, I don't think there's anything terrible here. Um, I, they're, I agree. It, it's, it's fine. I think, I think a lot of the issues, I think a lot of issues they've had have been around some of the personnel moves they've made and they just, and I think she's that I, to her credit, I think she's done a good job of identifying when things need to change. You know, they fired their GM last year. And I think yeah. that was a warranted firing. And I think, uh, you know, obviously Mike Vrabel leaves the position, but they wanted to keep him around. There was just kind of a lack of flexibility on his part in terms of working with her and, and kind of filling out some of her requests. And again, maybe that goes back to kind of, you know, maybe yeah, there, you know, I, I would say there's there's some lack of cohesion between coach, front office, owner. And right. Rand Carthon is incredibly well thought of, and it doesn't seem like Carthon and Vrabel were exactly on the same page. Right. And exactly. Carthon eventually is like, all right, well, then we're going to go a different direction. But I don't right. know that that's a terrible move. I don't know. No, like, no, I, I don't think so either. Yeah. I think that's what you want. I think Vrabel's a great coach, but you have to have that cohesion, and they are choosing Carthon over Vrabel. And I, guess, and I guess what I'm saying is, like, I feel like she's made some, made the appropriate decisions you know or or the person or the group that that is making those decisions for her does done a good job so um yeah. i think um i think it's fine like you said I, and i think she's made some tough decisions that i think were, were the right decisions at the time so you know three or four i think is probably appropriate for that yeah all right we'll go three that's fine yeah perfectly neutral okay new england robert Kraft. Uh, got a lot of Super Bowl trophies. Obviously, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, he can thank for them, but he's a guy that has been involved uh, over the years and and made sure that, like, kind of on the relationship side, I feel like things are running smoothly. Um, you know, he made a tough decision a couple of years ago to keep Belichick over Brady. Um, mm. In hindsight, that might have not been the correct decision. Um, and it also, you know, quote-unquote, allowed it to get to a point that you had to make that decision. They'd been together 20 years. Yeah. It's hard to have any fault, really, there. I think it's hard to give him anything, like, certainly less than a three. I would probably go four here. Um, my my other concern, though, with him is he's an older owner. Like, is there any yeah. desperation that sets in? You know, you hear about it with Jerry Jones where he's like, I got to win another Super Bowl before I die. And you're yeah. like, okay, well, what kind of desperation is that going to lead to? Um, but I would also say, 
you know, not to be morbid, but like Jonathan Kraft has been involved, his son for a long time, and it seems to be pretty well thought of. So there is like a clear succession plan, um, even if Kraft uh, just steps aside because he's getting up there in age. But um, I would probably go three or four here. Um, but yeah. but what do you think? I also think just the fact that he's had so much success might make this less appetizing to me. You know, just because like what are his ex what are, are his expectations realistic for me yeah. moving forward in that? And you know, like. Again, I don't know him, and you know, like you said, he he said he does a good job building relationship with players, all those things. Like that's his reputation. So, I, you know, I think a three or a four is probably warranted. But again, I'd probably lean three just because the job to me, outwardly, if, if I'm taking the position, and again, these are things that would be ha- answered in the conversations we have in the meeting and the interview. Um, like, what are your expectations? What's the timetable? Like, because you know, you fell into kind of the perfect storm, right? You had maybe the best quarterback in the history of the NFL and a coach that understands defense at the highest levels. And that kind of worked perfectly and covered up a lot of personnel decisions and issues that they had with the roster. Um, and that's hard to find. So like, what's the expectation? Again, that could easily be a four or a five if the interview goes well. But I think for me, just as of right now, looking at the position, I'd probably say three. And that's nothing against him personally and his reputation. It's just, I don't like the fact that he's coming off of this tremendous hot streak from a winning perspective because I would assume his expectations are going to be very, very high. Yeah, I'm going to make a proposal. Well, one, we could just split the difference and do three and a half. Like, there's no rule. We're, yeah. we're the ones who make the rules. Yeah, four is um, fine. I don't care. I mean, okay. I'm just giving Say you my four, thoughts on it. And then uh, I think some of that stuff, when we talk about uh, atmosphere, like organizational atmosphere, I think yeah. the uh, the lack of points is going to come, come there, uh, yeah. where it kind of crosses some of that same stuff. All right, Los Angeles. Uh, Spanos family owns the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Dean is the the main guy. He's not very liked uh, in yeah. large part because of the uh, decision to move out of San Diego, which seems very stupid. Um, but they, I don't know. Like it's it's to me that's kind of a weird one. Um, there's so much vitriol about the move. Um, they have got a reputation for being a little bit cheap. Um, yeah. but they have made some pretty big time hires in recent years. Uh, so. I don't know. I, this one seems I mean, I like think, two range to me. I think yeah, two is probably it. Just because I've heard that they aren't that they aren't as um, at least the reputation, like kind of the scuttlebutt. And again, I don't know them. And again, this is something that just by reputation that they aren't super willing to invest the way some of these other ownership groups are willing to invest in order to kind of achieve that winner with regards to facilities and things like that. So, yeah. The other thing to, you got a little nepotism happening there, uh, there are both his, of Dean's sons, uh, John and AG are the team presidents. Oh. So John is the president of football operations. AG is the president of football or of business operations. And, um, you know, I'd like my president of football operations, generally speaking, to not be the son of the owner, unless, you know, my owner is, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Adam Peters, dad. I don't, I don't even really like it either way. So yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. (laughs) Um, all right, Atlanta, uh, you played for Arthur Blank. I'll let you speak first here. My experience with Arthur Blank was fantastic, you know, and again, a little bit of it's probably because I went from here to Chicago (laughs) and then, you know, San Francisco where, where that, those owners are great. And, um, then going to, uh, Atlanta and he was awesome like he's around he's very friendly with the guys he seems to relate to the guys very well he seems to have be willing to develop a good relationship with the coaches um he also understands kind of the needs of the players so from a personal standpoint i think he's fantastic you know i'd say he's kind of in that you know four or five range but i do think there has been some concern you know about his um 
his haste in terms of, you know, his, he's an older guy. Um, and like, what, what are his expectations for creating a winner? And I think this job is very appetizing because I think the roster is not that far off, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but it just depends on how you feel about him being a little bit older, quite honestly, and whether or not you feel like he's going to be patient with you or he can afford to be patient because from a, from a, from a human side, from an ownership side, from an investment side, like he checks all of those boxes, at least in my time there. And, um, got a lot of respect for him so yeah i think i'm gonna go four here um i think arthur blank has done a lot of really good things but he he's not like he doesn't quite have that end patience to like let it pay off but he has been to a couple super bowls during his ownership um obviously it feels like the year before you were there when kyle was there they probably should have won that one right um right. you know and you know i we might look back and be like you know firing arthur smith now was the right move it wasn't actually a year too early um and if he had stayed it could have been a year too late so um, sure. I'm going to go, I'm going to go four there. Uh, and he's built tremendous facilities. Um, he, he's yeah. put a lot of resources in, so he deserves that. All right. Last two, uh, one of which is going to be very easy and very bad. Uh, that's Carolina. We'll get to them in a second. Las Vegas. I Mark Davis, I think as an owner in Oakland is seen very different than in Las Vegas. Like they have really built, I mean, I've seen their facilities out in Vegas. Yeah. They're insane. Right. Um, he has put a ton into this. Um, the atmosphere they've created out out in Las Vegas yep. is is big time. Um, they have been willing to spend. It, you know, it used to be like, oh my God, they're cash strapped, and they were, but not since they moved to Las Vegas. And that influx of cash into the organization has allowed them to make decisions like firing uh, Josh McDaniel and being like, we don't really care about the money. We're not going to spare expense. Now they might wind up hiring Antonio Pierce anyway, right. um, and this actually isn't really that much of an opening. Um, but I, I would probably go three, like, I don't, it definitely not five. They don't have the history to be able to go five or, you know, the, the optimism to be able to go five fours in play, but probably a three where if they were still in Oakland, we're talking about one or two here. Yeah, no, I agree. I think since they've made that transition, they've been, it's been a different group, you know, and I think it's uh, been, been different from a decision-making standpoint. They've, they're obviously committed to winning. They bring in guys like Devontae Adams. They're willing to finance those moves and all those types of things. So yeah, I kind of up to you. I mean, maybe the history is not there for a four, but it's definitely very, very close for me, at least at the moment. So yeah, I think, I think we're going to introduce half points. I think they're a definitive three and a half putting them okay. in the same spot as Tennessee feels not respectful enough, but putting right. them on the same loan uh, level as like blank and craft feels a right. little too rich. So right. three and a half. All right. David Tepper, negative 572. I was say, can you give a zero Carolina. or what? How does that work? I mean, because, I like, thought about it because I think he, again, like when you talk to people around the NFL, it's just, he's, he's committed to winning. He's financially committed to winning, but like, he's not very patient. And that is not something that's not very appetizing in a market. That's not super big. And, Again, I, I, maybe a one for here. I, like this is a, t- this, a tough this is spot. where we have to decide if zeros are allowed. I think I think in this case, like I would give it a zero because right now, like zero. I think, I think when you there. look at the, like when you look at the job, when you look at the roster, which we'll talk about in a second, there are some very appealing things about it. But it's, um, I think he's going to scare a lot of people off. I agree. Okay, Carolina, David Tepper, you shall get nothing, and you shall like it. Please do not. Avoid it.